Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So one of my favorite stories, there was a, a police officer, he pulled over a car. They were going 20 miles an hour on the interstate. And uh, he pulled him over, and his three little ladies sitting in the car, one in the front, two in the back. And he said, ma'am, do you know why I pulled you over? And she said, well, no, I wasn't speeding. And he said, no, you were going 20, 20 in a 75. And she said, well, well, the sign said 20. And he said, ma'am, that's the interstate. You're on I-20. Uh, that's the, the speed limit is 75. You're on I-20. And he looked in the back, and the two little ladies in the back were really pale, and they were kind of shaking. He said, are you, are you guys okay? And she said, they'll be fine. We just got off Highway 102. And so... So how many of you know doing what feels right isn't always the right thing, right? Well, we've been doing a, a message series. If you're kind of new to the whole church thing, a message series is when we just talk about one topic over several weeks. And we've been talking today about things Jesus never said. Uh, we appreciate Life Church. They may, got the graphics and everything, gave those out. But how many of you know Jesus gets misquoted a lot? Uh, Jesus gets misunderstood a lot. People say, well, well, God wants me to do this. Well, he never said that. Um, and so what we've been doing though these last few weeks is talking about things that Jesus didn't say. And we're actually finishing it up today. And our world today tells us to follow our heart. You ever heard that? Just follow your heart. Well, how many of you know that's not a great idea? Because my heart wants me to do a lot of things that's dangerous, a lot of things that are not good for me, right? Not good for my family. And so people say, well, well Jesus just wants me to be happy. He tells me just do whatever makes me happy. And absolutely not. He loves us too much not to say that, right? He loves us. He knows what's best for us. So, um, you know, people, and it's, it's hard because sometimes we tell people, well, you know, when you follow Jesus, you're going to be happy, which is true, right? But it's not necessarily happy like you want to be happy all the time, right? I remember um, a couple years ago I was in an accident and my pickup truck got totaled. And when I was in college, I had a Jeep Wrangler, and that Jeep made me really, really happy. You know, I really, I loved it. It was soft top, big tires, you know. I could go anywhere in that thing. And then when we had kids, we sold it because it was dangerous. And so we, we got rid of it. So, you know, I was looking for another vehicle to replace the one that insurance was paying for. And so I showed up in my house driving a Jeep Wrangler, and my wife said, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm just test driving. It makes me really happy. And she said, no, it won't. I said, you're too old for a Jeep right now. You're not going to like the cold. You know, where are you going to haul things? You know, we've had a truck for years. How are you going to haul things? I was like, well, I can find a trailer. And she said, take it back. Just, you know, and I was like, well, just go for a ride. She said, I don't want to go for a ride. Just take it back. She went for a ride, but we took it back. Because I realized, you know, that would make me happy in the short term, you know, but when we get older, maybe we'll get another one when we don't have whole teenagers around. But, and then my teenagers would drive it, and that would not make me happy. So, you know, how that works. So we're going to talk today about how Jesus never said to do just what makes you happy. We'll talk about what Jesus actually did say here in a few minutes. But if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And this is an interesting story for Mother's Day. Uh, because Jesus was one of the first people who actually gave value to women in the Middle East. Because at that time, women were kind of, you know, follow your husband, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus valued women. He showed a lot of value to them. So John chapter 8 is a really interesting story. Many of you have probably heard it if you've been around church any amount of time. 
If you have the YouVersion Bible app, if you hit that More tab and then Events, the notes and everything will be in there for you in the verses. But so Jesus, in verse 1, returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now let's pause for just a moment. If they caught this woman in the act of adultery, what did that mean? There should have been two. There should have been a guy here, right? But the guy was absent somehow. Now, also, how did they catch her in the act of adultery? You know, were they walking around like, you know, looking in windows? Or, more likely, this was probably a setup, right? They had been following. They heard that, uh, you know, there was a couple having adultery. You know, they're having an out-of-marriage affair. And they caught her in the act. They've been following her, and they brought her in. But they should have brought both of them. Now, to be stoned means they threw them off a cliff and threw big rocks on them until they died, which is not a pleasant way to go, Right? And so they were kind of putting Jesus in a no-win situation because the religious leaders didn't like the fact that Jesus was changing things up. The Old Testament law said if you catch a couple having adultery, kill them because then that's going to spread, right? But Jesus said, no, why don't we show them love and show them grace? But here's the thing. If Jesus said stone her, what does that do? It lets the guy off the hook, kills a woman. It also shows that Jesus wasn't as compassionate as he had been, right? If Jesus said, let her go, then it would, they were going to say, well, you're condoning sin and you're not a real teacher. So what does Jesus do? Well, he does something pretty amazing here. So verse 6, while well, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And they stooped down again and wrote in the dust. What was Jesus writing? We have no idea. A lot of people have assumed or thought, you know, maybe Jesus was writing down, love your neighbor as yourself. Others think he was actually reading their mail and saying, hey, Bob, I saw you do this. You know, I saw you watching your neighbor and, you know, maybe writing their sins, which is a very good possibility. And, you know, hey, John, look, I, I saw you, you know, we don't know, but he didn't answer him. He just said, all right, so whoever's perfect, you throw the first rock. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are you accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, go do whatever makes you happy. No. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. Go and stop doing this. Because, guys, most likely the woman had been doing what she thought would make her happy. And that's what got her in this situation. But Jesus said, no, I love you. I care about you. Go and stop doing these things that aren't going to fulfill you, that aren't going to give you peace. So this is a pretty amazing story. And this poor lady was drug out. And if they caught her in the act, she probably didn't have a lot of clothes on. Probably threw a wrap around her or something so she wasn't standing there naked. But she's in front of all the religious elite and the crowd that had been watching. Remember, this wasn't just a one-on-one thing. There was a crowd there, but Jesus loved this lady so much. He said, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and change what you're doing. Go and live a different life because this is not going to make you happy. This is not going to fulfill you. And so, guys, a lot of times people say, well, you know, and you hear this a lot. Well, if you're without sin, then you cast the first stone. (laughs) How many of us are without sin? None of us, right? But Jesus also didn't say, well, just go and do whatever you think is going to make you happy because he loves us too much to do that. So, 
what, is, what does it mean when we say, well, follow your heart? When people say, well, go and follow your heart, what does that typically mean? Go and do whatever you feel like you want to do. Go over and do whatever you think is going to make you temporarily happy. But the problem is, temporary happiness does not mean joy. So, why is following our hearts so dangerous? Well, here's the thing, guys. Number one, sin is always fun for a season. If you're sinning and you're not having fun, you're probably doing it wrong, right? Because if it wasn't fun, people wouldn't do it, right? And so, but it's fun, but it's only fun for what? A season. How many of you have ever done that? It's fun for a little while, right? It's fun until it catches up with us. So sin's fun, and guys, people become trapped in life-altering things because it was fun for a while, right? No one ever wakes up and says, you know, I think I'm just going to throw my marriage away today, right? People don't wake up and say, I think I'll go to prison for about 30 years. That sounds like fun. No. It's always, I thought this was going to be good, but it wasn't. I thought this might work. This lady probably, I mean, who, who knows, but she was probably thinking, well, this guy's paying attention to me. My husband's not. That sounds fun. Or maybe she wasn't married and the guy was and his wife wasn't paying attention to him. Or, or he thought he deserved something better. Um, things like that. And so it was probably something she thought or he thought was going to be fun for a while, but then it catches up with him. And that, guys, that's what happens. Sin is fun for a little while. Following our heart is fun until it's not anymore. Right? It's fun for a little while. I've never worked with an alcoholic or a drug addict that said, well, I'm having a blast. You know, I love losing my license. I love losing my job. I love losing my family. It doesn't. But for a little while it was, right? And most of us probably have those stories from our past where, yeah, that was fun until. And so it's fun for a season. But then here's, I, this is not original to me. Sin always costs more than we want to pay and takes us farther than we want to go. And we've all met people like that. This is not where I thought my life was going to be 30 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago. I used to be a guard in a prison. I, I worked as a correctional officer while I was pastoring a small church. And guys, the stories these people would tell me as I was standing up there, you know, standing on the rail watching, they would come up and, hey, you want to hear my story? Sure. And it was always tragic because I was having a lot of fun until I was selling drugs. I was making a killing. I was driving a Ferrari. I was driving, you know, whatever until. And I had guys would come up and catch me and say, you know, Adams, they knew I was a preacher. Word got around, so they would just unload on me, you know. And, I, and so I got to be the, the chaplain of the unit or whatever. But they would tell me. And there was one guy that told me, guys, when I came to prison, my daughter was one. He said, when I get out, she's going to be already graduated high school. He's like, I missed all of it for what I thought was fun for a while. There was a guy that was, he had a tragic story. And he, he got straightened up. And he actually was a mentor to the younger inmates to keep them out of trouble, you know. And he actually wrote a book on how to do prison the right way. It, he would copy it and give it to the younger guys. But he said, I made one stupid decision. He's like, I, I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. I one decision. And I'm in, he's like, I'm never getting out of here. He was like 50, I think, when he went in. He's like, I will die in prison because of one. And so that's what I tell these guys. Get out. Don't do that anymore, right? So it always takes us further than we want to go, and it costs us more than we want to pay. We don't typically, when we make a decision, we don't walk it out to the end, Right? We do, you know, this will be fun, but we don't think down the road. And that's why Jesus doesn't say, well, go follow your heart. He says, follow me, right? 
And sin always promises satisfaction at the cost of personal and spiritual pain. It's always going to cost us something. And we all know that feeling, right? We all know that feeling, oh, I did that, now i got to pay the price, right? I did this, now this is not going to be good, right? So why is, why is following our heart unsatisfying? Why is it not satisfying to do things that are fun in the short run? Well, there were two police officers. They showed up at a cattle ranch, and they went up to the rancher, and they said, hey, I got, we've got warrants. We're out looking for illegal drugs on ranches, and we think some guys are, are growing weed here. And the farmer said, oh, whatever you want to do, but just don't go in that field over there. And so one of them kind of got blustered. He's like, you see this badge? This badge says I can go wherever I want to go, and you can't do anything about it. And they said, all right, go ahead. Well, a few minutes later, he hears a scream, and he sees these two cops running, and this big bull's chasing them in that field. They said, show them your badge. Like, doesn't always work, does it? The bull does not care. <laughs> and guys, here's the thing. When we follow our hearts and we're trying to do things that are fun in the short term, consequences don't care. They're not respecter of people. So consequences happen. And so our hearts lie to us. Check this out. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10 Jeremiah says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I'll give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. The human heart is the most deceitful. How many of you have ever been lied to by your heart? My heart has tried to kill me so many times. That's a great idea. No, it's not. Eat that. That's not going to be bad at all. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's deceitful. And here's the thing, Jesus was talking to some people in the temple, and they kept trying to make him king. They wanted Jesus to do all these things. Look what it says in John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Jesus didn't trust him because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Guys, people say, well, go follow your heart. The problem is your heart is going to lie to you. Your heart is going to tell you that is a great idea. Do that. Do that. Eat that. That's not going to hurt you later. Do that. That's not going to be bad. Do that. You know, go buy that. It's, it's great. You, what does our heart always tell us? You deserve it. You deserve it. If you like to read, there's a great book by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart. It's a great one. Crusher wanted to kill me. I recommended it to her, and she read it. She's like, this book is killing me. Uh, but it's great. I mean, it talks all about this type thing. But we have to understand that our hearts lie to us. And second, we have to understand that chasing happiness causes us to settle for less than God's best. There's a writer named Max Lucado, incredible writer. And, and he, I'm paraphrasing it, but he told a story one time about a fish. He said, hey, go grab a fish and put it on the beach. Is that fish going to be happy if you plop it down on the sand? No, right? It's going to be miserable. Well, what if you throw the fish a party? Invite all the best-looking fish from the sea, you know, and, and throw those around him. Is he going to be any happier? No. What about money? What if you buy the, buy the fish a Lamborghini? Is he going to care? What if you throw stacks of cash at him, you know, make it rain, you know, take his tail and flop all the, all the cash out, right, like the rappers do? Is he going to be happy? No. He's not going to care. What if you, what if you help him medicate, Right? Well, here, drink some peppermint schnapps. You're going to feel real good, fish. Not the kind of water he's looking for, right? What if you give him a selfie stick? 
post, post selfies on Facebook, Instagram. Get some validation from your other fishy friends. That's hard to say, fishy friends, right? <laughs> Find him a nice ladyfish. Are any of those things going to make him happy on the beach? No. Why? Because a fish is not created to be on the beach, right? Now give him a selfie stick in the water and he'll be happy fish, right? But not on the beach, right? And guys, this lady that they brought in front of Jesus was not created to be in that situation. That's not what she was created for. She was created for more than that, right? And guys, so many of us, we chase stuff, right? And we settle for less than what God has for us because it's easier. Because it's easier in the short run. And, and we've said this a thousand times, but guys, until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, we settle. And so many of us are living with less than what God wants for us because we just settle. And that's what chasing our hearts does. Guys, I've met people who are in their 60s who said, I knew I was supposed to do something different in life, and I didn't. And I paid for it every day since because I settled. I settled for less than what God had for me. And it's not just one or two people. I mean, there's lots of people that tell me that. Or I wish, I wish that I would have done something different earlier in life, but I didn't. How do people end up in situations where they're in life-altering situations or life-controlling situations? It's just one small settle at a time, right? One small compromise at a time. Lead them there. You know, you talk to people who end up losing their marriages and you know, the person that they had the affair with to lose their marriage usually leaves too, right? And they say, now I'm alone. And it was just one small thing at a time led me here. So chasing our hearts causes us to settle for less than God's best. And a lot of times chasing happiness can cause us to feel trapped. It can cause us to feel stuck. I was talking to one person one time, and they said, it's too late. I'm, I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do to get out of this. Was that true? No, it's just how they felt. He said, you're not. You're never too far gone. God's grace is always bigger than your situation. I love this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. If you underline in your Bible, that's one to underline right there. God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. There's never a temptation that's too big because you can't avoid it. Now, people misquote this. This is another one of those people misquote, and they say, well, God will never give me more than I can handle. Oh, yeah, he will. <laughs> he will put you in way over your head because he wants you to depend on him, not on yourself. He says when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out. So don't ever feel like, guys, you're trapped. And some of you may be sitting here and say, you don't know my story. And I, I probably don't. But I can promise you this. God is faithful. If you say, Lord, help me out of this, he will. Now, do we still deal with repercussions? Yeah. Consequences? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But he is faithful. He will help you. There's always a way out. There's always hope. Never feel like you're too far gone. So what is it that brings true happiness? What am I, as I bring this around to the end, what actually brings happiness in our lives? Well, first we have to live the lives we were designed for. Guys, when, when they brought this woman to Jesus, he said, hey, I don't condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you anymore. But he didn't say, go do whatever's going to make you happy. What did he tell her? Go and sin no more. Get out of this lifestyle. Get out of doing things that lead you to this position because he loves us too much to leave us there. And guys, I was this. Man, when I was a teenager, I was looking for something that was going to make me fulfilled. I was looking for something that was going to make me happy. And, and it wasn't 
chasing all the stuff I was. Man, I had a plan. <laughs> I, was, I didn't want to be poor ever again in my life. So, you know, I had a scholarship to go to college. I'd already won a business leader's award. I was doing all, I had all this stuff because I was going to have cash. That's what I wanted. And I wanted my own pond so I could fish in my house and not deal with idiots, right? Because <laughs> you ever been out fishing and somebody, hey, how's it going? It's like, shh, right? Or they come right next to you. It's like, there's a whole pond. Why are you, you know? So I wanted my own pond. I wanted a Jeep. You know, I wanted all that stuff. And God knew that that wasn't going to make me happy. I can promise you doing things God's way has made me happier than I ever would have been otherwise, right? And a lot of you can tell the same story. So he offered the woman a way out. He didn't condone her action. Jesus didn't say, I love you. Keep doing it. He said, I love you. Go change. Go do something else. And when we submit... We submit to Christ. We can live the life we were created to live. And then we pursue freedom instead of settling for bondage. Jesus said, get out. And the wording, Jesus said, go and sin no more. That word, go, is not just a passive word. It's not a, we'll just wander around until you bump out of it. No, he said, run. <laughs> get out of this situation. Maybe move to a new town. You know, Get away from these people. Get out of the situation. Don't go back to that dude. Because you, you know, that guy was probably waiting How'd it go? <laughs> You're not dead. Yay. Let's keep having an affair. No, get away, right? Jesus doesn't condone sin, but he offers freedom for all of us, right? And it's the same way when we encounter people who are stuck in these situations, don't say, well, I told you. That doesn't help, right? What is it? I don't condone or I don't condemn you, but let's get you out of the situation. Let's find hope in Christ. And we, we embrace the freedom that's offered by Christ. Jesus offered this woman freedom. And guys, that's the biggest thing. Jesus didn't say, go, do what makes you happy. What did Jesus say? Come, follow me. Come, follow me. There was another guy, Jesus healed one time. And he said, hey, quit doing what you're doing or something worse may end up happening. Get out of the situation. So Jesus offers freedom. And guys, your day, maybe you're, you're just here visiting. Maybe you've been here forever. Jesus offers that freedom. When we follow him, him, his ways are so much better. The world's all about, well, do what makes you happy. Go self-actualize, you know. Do whatever you feel is going to make you fulfilled. Jesus says, come follow me, and you will be fulfilled. You will. And it's not instantaneous all the time, but it's better. And the enemy loves to hold shame over our heads, guys. Satan loves to hold it over your head. Man, you are so far gone, you may as well just give up. There's no way out. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. But Jesus says, I offer freedom. He says, I came that they would have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the fullest. But he says, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus offers freedom, guys. So I want to let you know, as the worship team comes up today, there is freedom in Christ. You can have that. And now you're like, I thought I came to a Mother's Day service. <laughs> it is. Jesus offers freedom. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. And so you may be here today and say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling unfulfilled. I really need Jesus to do something in me. I want to have that freedom. I want to have that fulfillment. We're going to have that. We're going to pray for that right now. So if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? Lord, we are so thankful today that you are God of grace and of love, and of forgiveness. But we're so thankful for that that you give us today. And 
And God, I'm so thankful for all these people who are here today. And I pray you'd help us today to really follow you and surrender. And Lord, I know there are so many things in this world that promise happiness, that promise fulfillment, but Lord, you give so much more. So I just pray for anyone that's here today that says, you know, I, I really don't have a relationship with, with God, but I want to make that right today. Lord, speak to them. Let them know that they can have that. Lord, I pray for those who are chasing stuff and they're just unfulfilled and they're kind of at that point in their life that said, I want something more than this. Lord, I pray you'd help us to know that we can have that as well.